And we are rolling for our uh, topical Thursday session. Early bird podcasts. Stefan Maillet with you at itssouls.com. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. We're going to be looking at an article from our friends, yet again, over at apologeticspress.org, titled, A Biblical Response to Cancel Culture. Or my interpretation, Cancel Culture. A Biblical Reply. I'm going to read the article, you and I together, and just kind of share our thoughts as we move along to the session. It's an important one. It's something certainly in need of our attention in this current time. Eh? This crazy era we find ourselves in. Craziness, I tell you. Bit of housekeeping real quick. Consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing, all that kind of good stuff, and supporting the Added Souls work through uh, signing up at um, addedsouls.locals.com. Okay, so cancel culture, a biblical reply. I'm going to start the article here from our brother Eric Lyons. Lyons? Lyons? Over there at apologeticspress.org. And, uh, well... Let's just get into it, shall we? I quote, Cambridge Dictionary defines, quote, cancel culture as, quote, a way of behaving in a society or group, especially on social media, in which it is common to completely reject or stop supporting someone because they've said or done something that offends you. Last year, Joe Rogan, the world's most popular podcaster with nearly 13 million subscribers, was the target of many in mainstream and social media for some of his comments regarding COVID-19 and vaccinations. In 2020, many called for the canceling of the world's most popular author, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, who is no defender of biblical sexual values, of course, is a believer in and occasionally defender of the reality of biological sex. In other words, you know, men are males and women are females. For not towing the more politically correct party line of transgender identity, Rowling was blistered on social media and suffered waves of harassment and cancellation. And, you know, you and I have seen that if we've been on social media and out here in public as well. The same thing is taking place, this wave of cancel culture. If it offends us, we must do all we must to slander, to bear false witness, to demonize, to remove. To remove, to censor, to shadow ban, to suppress, deplatform, you know, that kind of stuff. Um... I myself and my profiles on various locations of social media have been permanently removed. I've had to create other accounts throughout the years, that again being permanently removed. So therefore, you kind of have to navigate through that and trying to speak the truth to people with this censorship, this cancel culture of sorts. And it's always in the subjective hand of the holder, right? Whatever... Whoever's in control of it is the one who decides from his own or her own mind what she or he tends to think is offensive. And that's a very dangerous presence we now have in this fallen nation, this fallen Western world. The article continues and says, In recent years, many Christians and those associated with Christianity uh, have felt the sting of cancel culture. Yeah, absolutely. And the article lists a few, uh, I believe, 
uh, witnessed accounts on December 6, 2018 in West Point, Virginia. Quote, the school board overseeing West Point High School voted unanimously to terminate the employment of French teacher Peter Vlaming for refusing to use a transgender student's preferred pronoun, citing religious reasons. Though Vlaming was well-liked by his students and did his best to accommodate their needs and requests, and consistently accommodated the transgender student by using the student's preferred name instead of the student's given name, avoiding the use of any pronoun, Vlaming was ultimately fired for something he couldn't say. And these, of course, are but singled out accounts in an ocean of many. I mean, over here, up north, um, you know, we've had parents, we've had children removed from parents and children removed uh, from parents and parents removed from employment and um, all privileges as parents removed, uh, as a, all parental legal, once legal rights removed uh, because of this cancel culture stuff. Another example in the article, in January 2021, Twitter locked the account of Daily Citizen, a magazine owned by Focus on the family. What was the magazine's violation, you may ask? Well, they posted, quote, on Tuesday, President-elected Joe Biden announced that he had chosen Dr. Rachel Levine, Levine to serve as Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of HHS. Dr. Levine is a transgender woman. That is a man who believes he is a woman. Twitter, of course, proceeded to send Daily Citizen an email pointing out that repeated violations may lead to a permanent suspension of your account. Um, for saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman? Yeah, absolutely. You're not allowed to say that. That's hate speech. That's violence. Another example, it seems more than acceptable to be pro-abortion in the corporate world. However, when John Gibson, the CEO of Tripwire Interactive, a video game de de developer, tweeted on September 4th, 2021, how proud he was of the U.S. Supreme Court for, quote, affirming the Texas law banning abortion for babies with a heartbeat. He was quickly canceled. Gibson's tweet drew fire on social media, and the CEO found himself without a job only two days later when Tripwire announced the company was moving forward with a new interim CEO. Oh, yeah. We live in a free country, right? We can speak freely, can't we? <laughs> yeah, no. No, that's gone now. And, I, you know, I blame Christians. You should, too. Why? Because weren't we living in a quote-unquote Christian nation? <laughs> weren't our laws and everything around it by government, corporations, academic institutions, entertainment, religious affiliations, social media, media, all of it, was it not at one time, at least publicly, governed by Christian principles from one spectrum to the next? Yeah, perhaps it allowed us a great many privileges and opportunities in the country for a great span of time. Not a perfect country, obviously, filled with sin. It's still a fallen world, but... Uh, more so in measurement, a functioning and peaceful location where security could be found. Gone now. It's gone. It's gone. We're in a fallen nation now, most certainly, where you can go on the internet, say something that'll have you completely deplatformed, fired, <laughs> removed from employment, removed from traveling, removed from the ability to do pretty much anything and everything in the community. Why? Well, you're not allowed to say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. How do we get there? Christians dropped the ball. We didn't fight for what was right. 
we got all wishy-washy and tender. And when I mean tender, I don't mean kind. I mean cowardice in that descriptive nature. Cowardice. Weak. Idle. Eh, it's somebody else's problem. Right? Eh, whatever. And we changed. <laughs> we changed. And uh, we allowed evil things to take place. And evil people to hold policies that now uh, have us in line. Where's your papers? Have your papers? I just want I just want bread. Where's your papers? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the article continues and says we could go on and on with examples such as these from just the past decade. The fact is, um, you know, the Western world has become increasingly more non-religious and immoral in the past 50 years and increasingly intolerant of what the Bible teaches about many things. And it's been said, and we'll say it again, those who scream at the top of their lungs, tolerance, 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 diversity, 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 equality, 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 are uh, some of the least tolerant human beings on this earth currently, walking the earth, and are the least diverse and least uh, willing to be equal with their fellow man and neighbor. Um, we have individuals in the community who want us publicly executed. Some of our mainstream media outlets, propaganda, of course, purchased by a corrupt government and corrupt uh, entities, uh, were polling that we should be jailed or executed publicly. Wanted the people's opinion on if that should be something we do. And would you believe it? A strong percentage of the population in this fallen nation said, yeah, we should publicly execute those who uh, practice, you know, these things that are considered now hate speech or against our politically correct landscape. Yeah, this is a reality, you know. Digging a deeper hole in the sand and putting our heads in there ain't going to change it. It just is what it is. But it's not all doom and gloom. Tough times create tough men. We have some tough kids growing up. Kids that are tougher than some parents should be and adults should be. So uh, we could go on and on, of course, with these examples. There's no longer a Bible-believing presence, of course, in our nation, of a stronger presence and influence. That's, that's gone. Suffice to say, being a Bible-believing, Jesus-following, gospel-teaching Christian in 21st century uh, America or Canada, regardless of how genuinely kind you might be, may uh, very well get you, your family, church, Christian school, podcast, Twitter account, etc., 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 canceled one way or another. Again, I've had um, my uh, Facebook account um, uh, permanently, permanently uh, canceled, deplatformed, permanently. Had to create new ones. Same with Twitter, with YouTube, Instagram, you name it. Uh, Twitter, of course, has changed management, hasn't it? Ownership. And since then, it has uh, opened up a great deal of freedom and privilege, uh, which is nice. And Facebook has is still a well-known censorship platform, but it has diminished a little bit on certain things. And of course, that's why if you want our kind of content unfiltered, you'd have to go to addedsouls.locals.com. You'd have to be with us on Rumble and uh, Twitter, perhaps, 
uh, more so than YouTube and Facebook uh, when it comes to various things. I, I enjoy Facebook for the connection we have, of course, with friends and families in the community. And I certainly do share the truth out there. You just have to be uh, wise with it and uh, utilize it to its capability, if you will. But it's true. It's, it's cancel culture. So the article continues, and cancel culture, it says, is nothing new for God's people. Absolutely not. Right? So it says, I'm saddened uh, that America, Canada, is not nearly as religious as previous generations. America certainly has been more so independent in its religious thoughts and traditions and practices in honor of the 66 books of the Holy Bible, more so in culture than we Canadians. We Canadians are of a different culture. Someone trying to tell you otherwise is probably puffed up with pride and a professional liar. There are some of those, by the way, in the church who masquerade the, themselves righteous, but they are nothing but liars. But there's a difference in the culture, obviously. However, we are still connected as human beings, sin is sin and it's practiced both in Canada and America. Obviously, there's McDonald's in America, there's McDonald's in Canada, but the culture and the mind of the people is a bit different. There is a difference there. Ours is, of course, still structured to uh, a system that finds um, trust more so in government, in the queen or the prime minister. Uh, we are more submissive to that system, and our religious forefathers gave us Catholicism, and so there was not uh, a strong cultural independence to our own thinking minds with the Bible. We just, again, followed the Pope, we followed the Queen, we followed the Prime Minister. In America, you have an independent culture and power, which is why uh, you still have stronger pockets in America in regards to freedom. In regards to freedom. Anyways, a session of its own perhaps we could have in the future. Back to the article speaking of these things. So I am saddened, he says, our brother Eric, that America, I say, and I add, Canada is not nearly as religious as previous generations. I'm sickened by a society that has become increasingly more like the one Isaiah saw in Jerusalem 2,700 years ago, where people quote, call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Isaiah 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 20. And that's true, isn't it? Today we call uh, the murder, the, the quote-unquote legal murder of our most vulnerable and innocent, uh, we call it health care. We call it a woman's choice. That's what we call it. That's what we call murder. Uh, we call murder uh, medically assisted in dying. Uh, we call murder a virtuous, compassionate thing uh, to practice in this country. Yeah, murder is no longer evil. Murder is good, and we don't call it murder. Again, we call it health care. That's what we call it. We call godlessness science. That's what we call that. We call gross sexual deviancies and abominations and perversions, we call those love. We call that acceptance. We call that strength and diversity. Yeah, we call that love. That's love. That's virtuous. Sexual perversion with animals, with children, that's love. That's good. 
that's virtuous. That's what, that's what we need to promote, encourage, fund, and enforce from government, corporation, academic institution, entertainment venues, media venues, even religious establishments in the ocean of denominational worldviews. Back to the article. Though America has always been far from perfect, it seems that sin has never been as publicly, pre uh, uh, prevalently, and perversely celebrated as it is today. Uh, that's right. And as an individual speaking from the future uh, to my fellow Americans, because me here as a Canadian in China, um, we're about, I don't know, we're getting closer. The gap was about 10 years once upon a time, but I think we're more at five now. We're more at five. If you want an idea, of course, of uh, where we are in various uh, locations of China, uh, I think you can find that in various locations of New York and California, right? That kind of stuff. The uh, liberal utopia, the progressive uh, utopia, the fascist the isms, right? Fascism, Marxism, um, communism, all those things. Uh, so the article continues and says, Christians must consider current events in light of history. We should be careful not to get too, quote, bent out of shape about cult cancel culture in light of the fact that cancel culture is nothing new for God's people. Acting as if, quote, this is so unbelievable is pretty naive in light of all that the Bible teaches. Amen. Amen. It's true. We're aware of it. We know what's going on. But to somehow pull out the, 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 the flag saying, this has never happened in history, you know, and we Christians, it's the first time we're receiving this kind of persecution or whatnot. It's, again, in my opinion, from my perspective, it's at our own doing. We, we dropped the ball. We weren't standing strong, acting like men and defending the truth. We just got fat and lazy. And forgive me, in this cancel culture, politically correct atmosphere for saying the word fat. I shouldn't do that. Forgive me. So when Abraham's great-grandson, the article says, uh, Joseph died in Egypt, along with all of his generation, a new king arose, quote, who did not note Joseph, Exodus 1, 8. Shortly thereafter, Pharaoh and the Egyptians began making the day-by-day uh, -day lives of the Israelites increasingly miserable. They set, quoting now, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. Chapter 1, verse 11. The Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. How did it ever get there? <laughs> Again, when Christians or when believers in God, prior to the covenant of the Christ that you and I live under, um, when we no longer thank God, and recognize our blessings and thank God and seek God and, and, and be obedient to God from the heart, from the mind, from everything of our being. And uh, we drop the ball and we become uh, vulnerable to our enemies' attacks and the enemy takes over and we become slaves. That's just it. I feel sorry for Christians who, uh, who don't wake up to this because if more of us did, we'd be like, oh, so there's responsibility to our faith. Christianity is an educated religion. There's responsibility to our faith. We play a part in the community. You know, we're supposed to be shining our Lord's light in the community. 
<laughs> okay, so the article continues and it says the king of Egypt even went so far as to cancel the ever-growing population of the Israelites by commanding the Hebrew midwives to kill all the newborn sons of the Israelites, sparing only the daughters, chapter 1, verse 16. And when this plan failed, quote, Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, every son who is born you shall cast into the river. If he doesn't have his masks, if he hasn't received all his vaccine and his boosters, if he's not complying to our policies, if he's violating our hate speech laws, our community standards, or all uh, environmental pressures in regards to climate change. Remember, climate change is the biggest threat to humanity. If any of those things are violated, where's your papers? Where's your documents? Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river. That's all there is to it. We're getting rid of them. Put them in the boxcars. Right? Pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. The article continues from our wonderful brethren over at apologeticspress.org. The article written by our brother... Eric Lyons. Living as faithful spokesmen of God has been quite trying throughout most of world history. Parentheses, it may be that preachers have never had it easier than in the United States over the past half century. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Certainly. When we fall, or when we fall, when we, with God's grace and providence, faithfully, upright, create a society where there is peace and an abundance of blessings, food, shelter, clothing. We should be mindful of it each day and thank God for it each day, recognizing that it could be gone tomorrow if we don't hold on to it today and thank God and have God's blessing on it. Today, it'll be gone tomorrow. But we didn't do that. We got comfortable with it, right? We, allow we allowed ourselves to become obese, with it. And uh, we missed the mark. And now we live in a fallen nation controlled by some of the most publicly outright immoral policies humanly possible because we can't discern right from wrong. We can't discern right from wrong anymore. We call good evil, evil good, that kind of stuff. Living as faithful spokesman. Okay, no, where were we? Yeah, here. The prophet Samuel feared King Saul would kill him for uh, uh, anointing David as the next king of Israel, 1 Samuel 16, 1, th 1 through 13. During the days of Queen Jezebel, she, quote, massacred the prophets of the Lord, which led Obadiah to hide a hundred prophets in caves, 1 Kings 18, 4. Yet King Ahab called the prophet Elijah the troubler of Israel, 1 Kings 18, 17. When Jezebel threatened to end the life of Elijah, quote, he arose and ran for his life, 1 Kings 19, 2 and 3, the faithful prophet Micaiah was insulted, struck, and imprisoned for speaking God's unpopular truth to King Ahab, 1 King, 1 Kings 22, 1 through 40. The prophet Jeremiah was threatened, beaten, put in stocks, and cast into a cistern full of mud and left to die. What a horrible way to die. <laughs> human beings do these things to human beings. It's just, what's the matter with us? cast into a cistern of, of, of full of mud and left to die. Of course, prior to being rescued, Jeremiah 21, 20 uh, verses 1 through uh, chapter 2, and then verse, uh, chapter 38 verses 1 through 13. Uh, 
And of course, Jesus, just of my thoughts, and of course, in studies, when he spoke uh, his sermon in Matthew chapter five, um, he spoke how we should understand the persecution that comes when you live faithfully for the cause of righteousness and how the prophets of old went through those things. They were murdered. They were living in cancel culture. <laughs> we've been living in cancel culture since the very beginning. However, we've had moments in our history, uh, especially with the birth of this Western world, where we said, we don't want to live under the oppression of a cancel culture, under the uh, destructive isms of, again, uh, liberalism, progressivism, uh, socialism, fascism, uh, Marxism, communism, and I probably didn't put him in order, uh, but all that. We don't want to live under the isms, under the removal of our freedoms and privileges. It's been nice to live in the country, be able to have a garden, be able to have neighbors, be able to not lock the doors and watch for each other and love each other and have opportunity uh, to, 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 to grow and to have uh, lineage and ancestry and family and marriage and, and religious freedom and thought and well, apparently that was broken. We're all racist now. <laughs> Climate change. <laughs> We're all bigots. Uh, and we chose to uh, destroy the nation, get weak, and allow the nation to be destroyed, fall. Uh, but it's happened before. Again, we see that. We see the model, again, uh, in the Old Testament from uh, Israel. The Hebrews, the Jews, um, they would be faithful. And they would have provision, security, protection from God. And they would have ancestry. And they would have nourishment. They would have land. They would be blessed in abundance with the land of milk and honey when they were faithful. But when they chose again to go after, uh, to go and, and contaminate themselves with idolatry and remove their thanks for God and become godless and practice all kinds of nonsense, they became slaves to the oppressor and once again embarked and centuries of bondage with the politically correct atmospheres and landscapes. The article continues, Threatened by the arrival of the promised Messiah, the wicked King Herod the, uh, the great sought, uh, Herod the Great sought to kill baby Jesus, and thus, quote, sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, Matthew 2, 16. Herod Antipas imprisoned John the baptizer for the sake of Herodias, his brother, Philip's wife, for he had married her because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him. Mark 6, 17, and, uh, 17 through 19. How dare John the Baptist say that homosexuality was a sin? <laughs> Did you catch what I said there? So um, it's the same today in our fallen nation. If we are to go outside and publicly express scriptural truth in regards to sexual deviancies, uh, that's considered hate speech, and it is not politically correct, and you must be culturally canceled. And that's why they've been uh, eroding and destroying all our um, you know, uh, statues, historical figures, patriots, uh, soldiers, our veterans, everything that allowed us to have this freedom. Because again, our countries have been now taken over. We're at war. People just don't, I think, wake up, haven't woken up to it yet. But uh, And speaking of woke in, in, in its 
in its true and descriptive form in regards to ha- becoming aware. Uh, the woke that is expressed from the left is social Marxism, it's communism, it's a uh, very oppressive cancel culture mentality. But again, so the article continues, Herod Antipas imprisoned John the Baptizer for saying what he said. She eventually, uh, whoops, where am I here? Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him. Mark. Chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, she eventually got her wish, obviously. The courageous prophet of God and forerunner of Christ was permanently canceled by being beheaded. An executioner literally brought his head on a platter to the daughter of Herodias, who in turn gave it to her mother. Mark chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. We've been uh, putting individuals in uh, prison over in this country for saying those kind of things against our leaders or against this, um, um, these movements of the cancel culture or proponents and enforcers of cancel culture. Um, and a great many who in this country would identify themselves as Christian individuals or Christian establishments. Uh, I mean, they've been burning churches in this country. I think we're at 80-some, 70-some churches or 80-some churches have been burnt down that identify as Christians. Uh, we've been putting in jail priests and reverends and pastors uh, for being pro-life and for exposing uh, the sinful... Um, practice and consequences of um, the LGBTQ plus um, community and things like that. This is just a reality of our life. That's that's how it works now in this cancel culture. Uh, the article continues. During Jesus's ministry, uh, the, the hard-hearted, uh, hypocritical religious leaders of his day continually sought to cancel him. As soon as the perfectly meek and sinless Son of God began to reveal himself as the long-awaited Messiah in his hometown of Nazareth, quote, all those in the synagogue were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to be uh, to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him uh, down over the cliff. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. Thankfully, of course, Jesus escaped. Why? Because he was always in control. He was always in control of his mission, his ministry, and the fulfillment of the death, burial, resurrection, witness, ascension of the Christ, the fulfillment of the gospel, the redemptive scheme, the redemptive plan in fulfillment, completion. Uh, he was always in control on occasion, but it, it, still, it, it still reveals the fact that he was trying, you know, they were trying to cancel him. We've always been in a cancel culture <laughs> with, with uh, corrupt uh, and immoral individuals. On, a, on another occasion, Jesus' enemies, quote, took up stones to throw at him, John eight fifty nine. After Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Jewish chief priests and Pharisees, quote, plotted to put him to death. From that day on, John eleven fifty three. ultimately Jesus was arrested, mocked, beaten, scourged, and nailed to a cross. He's being, he was canceled, right? <laughs> now he permitted it to happen for, again, uh, the redemption of mankind, but it still goes to show the corruption of, of mankind in this in a fallen world and how they um, are so blinded by hate and bitterness and, and, and jealousy and, and just this uh, self-righteous hypocrisy, pride, you know, all of that is part of it. I mean, that's what they call the parade nowadays that have <laughs> taken over the country, pride, you know. I mean, how... How more so stiff-necked and rebellious can you be against the scriptures? Pride. Pride. Being so proud 
in an unrighteous and high-handed oppression against people. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Early Christianity, it says, uh, the article, was born into a world of cancel culture. Jesus had prophesied that the apostles would, quote, have tribulation, John 16, 33, and indeed they did, obviously. In Acts chapter 2, on the first Pentecost, after the death and resurrection of Christ, the apostles were mocked as being drunk, Acts chapter 2, 13. Some thereafter, the apostles were arrested three times. They were uh, threatened imprisoned and beaten by their Jewish rulers, Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. Herod killed the apostle James and then arrested Peter with the likely intention of murdering him also, chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Stephen was stoned to death for preaching Bible truth to a, quote, stiff-necked people, chapter 7, verses 51 through 60. Then a, a great persecution arose against the church with uh, which was at Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, chapter 8, verse 1. Cancel culture, cancel culture. We've seen this before. It's nothing new. Shortly afterwards, Saul, an oppressor of the church, became a follower of Christ, a member of the very church he previously sought to destroy, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. Not surprisingly, Saul, whose name was changed to Paul in chapter 13, verse 9, became the oppressed rather than the oppressor. Paul was persecuted from the time he became a Christian, chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, throughout the rest of his life. He became, of course, an instrument uh, of persecution for the cause of the gospel. The attempted canceling of Paul and his preaching by Jews and Gentiles is a recurring theme in the book of Acts as well as in Paul's epistles. To the church at Corinth, he wrote about his, quote, stripes above measure in prisons more frequently, in debts often, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. He said, quote, from the, Jews, uh, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Chapter 2, uh, chapter two 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four and 25. And my dear friends to this current culture who has a hard time opening up a can of beans and heating it up, being stoned in this here context doesn't mean marijuana or drug, any other drug, okay? It means being violently, barbarically uh, executed with stones, rocks. Okay, the article continues. If the early church could hear Christians in today's America or Canada complain about cancel culture, I cannot help but think they would tell us to toughen up. <laughs> Christians today in North Korea, China, or various Middle Eastern countries, and <clears throat> may I add, China would gladly exchange their cruel and repressive cancel culture for ours. Could it be that our God above is looking down upon us, wondering why we are not endeavoring to have a broader, more biblically and historically informed perspective on current events? Yeah, why not? I'm not saying cancel culture is not real, the article reveals. I'm not suggesting we be unsympathetic toward anyone who has suffered the loss of a, jo a job, public humiliation, relentless criticism, emotional stress, financial difficulties, etc., 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 especially for righteousness sake, of course. I'm not advocating we refrain from uh, praying and uh, voting for morally-minded uh, potential U.S. and Canadian leaders who might be able to help turn the tide of cancel culture on local, state, and national levels. But I am imploring God's people not to act as if, one, we are the only ones to face cancel culture, or two, we have it that hard, comparatively 
speaking. Yeah, perspective is important. Do you have fresh running water? Do you have food to eat? You know, there's a lot of stuff we can always count our blessings uh, for. And Paul spoke to the Corinthians saying that all things in persecution, whether titled or described as cancel culture or not, is common to man. You're not the only one among billions and billions of human beings who have been on earth to suffer what you're suffering as a Christian. You're just not. And that's comforting to me. And I spoke about that in our session, uh, was it uh, yesterday, I think, or, yeah, where it's comforting to know that we're not the only ones that suffer cancel culture. They did before us. They're going to after us. They are right now. So we can tap in with our brethren and be like, hey, you know, I suffer, I've suffered from the same thing. I've gone through the same kind of, kind of pain there. Resist the cancel culture mentality, the article says. The temptation to react to cancel culture with a similar canceling mentality is real. Like immature children, we are tempted to respond to ridicule with ridicule, to wrath with wrath, and to censorship with censorship. And I'm glad Brother Eric is bringing this up. And I've been guilty of that. I've always been transparent with you. I, I'm well aware of my weaknesses. I'm well aware of the things in which I allow my emotions to drive me passionately stronger than what would be sound and self-controlled. Uh, I would like to think <laughs> I've repented from a great deal of that, and I've changed uh, drastically. Trauma and being humbled and, and, and things like that will do that to, to an, an individual if you're paying attention to the wisdom God is allowing you to have. But uh, it's true. We tend to do that. It's like a, 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 a immediate knee-jerk retaliation to uh, the cancel culture's oppression upon us. We, we, we want to do the same thing. Uh, there are more productive and approachable ways as Christians to deal with cancel culture. There is ways that can be uh, fruitful to convert individuals away from cancel culture and the sinful worldviews and, and, and all the things that all the branches that come with it on that tree. Uh, there are better ways. Uh, we've actually been experiencing that with renewals and baptisms uh, along with the East Coast Church of Christ because of that ability to be, to humble our hearts and uh, recognize that human beings are human beings. There are evil uh, human, there are human beings who practice evil things and uh, we must stand strong against evil things and evil policies. But our purpose, my dear friends, is to try to convert them to no longer be enemies, but be friends, be brethren, to be renewed in fellowship, right? Okay, anyways, a bit of an excursion to that fact, but we keep reading. So uh, where are we now? Ridicule, censorship. However, God calls us to a much bigger standard. We can choose to be like the angry cancel culture mob in Acts chapter 7 and incensed crowd who uh, shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and rushed at Stephen, Acts chapter 7, verse 57, and, quote, cast him out of the city and stoned him, chapter 7, verse 58. Or we can choose to follow the instructions of God and be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1, verses 19 and 20. Very important information that we should meditate, ponder, and pray on so as to change and become better as Christians when it comes to this very teaching. We have to. If we want to be effective and productive for our Lord's 
gospel, the church. It, we have to do that. We have to learn how to do it well. It takes time. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. I mean, look at... Uh, well, anyways, let's keep reading. There's still uh, a great portion of the article to go through. We can choose to cancel unkind classmates and coworkers, or we can choose to be Christ-like and, quote, turn the other cheek and, quote, go the extra mile. And, of course, not to be taken out of context when it comes to turn the other cheek, when it comes to love your enemies and pray for them, that shouldn't be taken out of context. It certainly means don't repay what you've received in that manner. Don't revenge. If, if, if your brother stole five bucks from you, don't wait a month to steal ten from him. Right? Uh, that's important. Cancel culture. Uh, we have to be careful not to immediately knee-jerk in retaliation to that. We can choose to cancel unkind classmates, blah, 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 turn the other cheek. Jesus taught, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 44 and 45. Uh, that's how we should be. We should be that way, of course, with brethren who are corrupt among us, and we should do that with, of course, the world out there, with all human beings. We should. We have to learn how to do that. It's difficult. It's very difficult, but we need to learn how to do that. It, it, it produces fruit. It actually is an evangelistic tool that is quite potent in the minds of our enemies because they can't wrap it, they can't figure it out. Like, why is he so kind to me? I hate him. Right? Jesus knew before he ever came to earth that most people would either hate him or care nothing for him. He knew he was coming into a chaotic cancel culture, yet he still came for the purpose of saving souls. 1,000 years before Christ, David prophesied that the Messiah would be scorned by everyone, despised by the people. The people would mock him and hurl insults, shaking their heads, Psalm 22, 6 through 7. They would shoot out the lip at the Lord, Psalm 22, 7. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53, 3. Sure enough, when Jesus stepped out of heaven to heal the sin-stained, broken souls of humanity, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. John 1, 11. Talk about cancel culture. This has been happening for a while, guys. Oh, but do we, again, do we allow it to, to just, oh, well, you know, it's going to happen, you know, nothing we can do about it. Uh, no, of course not. Let's take responsibility. Let's take responsibility for what we've allowed to, once again, oppress us. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of all that. And once again, renew our nations to its former glories when we had men who understood this. Jesus willfully came to reside in and engage a world full of cancel culture mentality. He came to a people who would go so far uh, to cancel him that they brutally crucified him. Yet Jesus responded with love, open arms, and a forgiving spirit. I mean, on the cross, about to die, where's his mind at with the people who put him there? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Can you wrap your mind around that kind of love? 
One of his best friends betrayed him because he was a greedy, jealous, sneaky little snake. Was Jesus' mind on revenge and retaliation? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It's quite the change of mind you need to go through in order to understand the true power of Christianity. I mean, just think about that. We have corrupt brethren and corrupt, corrupt world leaders and corrupt all sorts of corruption everywhere. Do we act as they act? Do we do as they do? Is that our reply to them? Stand strong. Be courageous. Defend the truth and remove evil. Certainly. But to lower our standards, uh, to become enamored in delinquent, uh, uh, delinquencies and, and evil practices along with them in retaliation? No, no, we can't do that. It's tempting. <laughs> no, don't no, get me wrong. It's very, very, very tempting, but we can't do that. We can't move that way. Je Jesus communicated uh, love from the cross to the very end. We don't hear him say, we don't hear him saying, I'm going to get you for this, but rather, again, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. He showed concern for others, including for the penitent thief dying next to him. Before Jesus' crucifixion, the article continues, and this an article, of course, from our friends over at apologeticspress.org, written by our brother Eric Lyons. And at this time, again, a bit of housekeeping, consider subscribing, following, giving a thumbs up, giving a comment, sharing the link far and wide, and consider supporting the Added Souls Ministry through the Maya family as we labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast of Canada. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up, and once you're there, you can support monthly. No amount is too low, no amount is too high. Everything's transparent, everything has integrity, and you are certainly more than welcome to reach out to us for a video chat, for email exchange, a phone call, all that kind of good stuff through God's good grace allows you the opportunity to partake with this wonderful ministry. Okay, we continue. Before Jesus' crucifixion, his invitation was open. Quote, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Ever since his crucifixion and resurrection, his invitation for, every, for, for anyone to receive eternal life has been uh, or has remained open. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. This same Jesus said, go into all the world, even to cancel culture, and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark sixteen fifteen. It's about balance. Don't swing the pendulum too far on, any, on either side, because you're going to find a ditch and you'll be stuck in there. Balance. We don't allow ourselves to be overtaken by cancel culture because we don't receive our freedom from corrupt cancel culture proponents or policies. We receive our freedom from Christ, which is why cancel culture wants to remove Christ from our hearts. <laughs> There's a reason they want to ban the Bible. Okay, this is not a mystery like, I don't know what's going on. 
must be climate change. No, no, no. <laughs> There's going to be a, a climate change coming. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. There is a day coming for that, um, <laughs> for that moment. But no, no. You know, we don't allow ourselves to be trampled on, nor do we high-handedly practice what they practice towards us in retaliation. There's a balance. We must be approachable. We must speak the truth in bold, upright fashion, certainly. But uh, today, some of our brethren think that being bold and upright is being a bully and a brute and a Pharisee and a tyrant and a deceiver and a self-righteous hypocrite. And they, they'll, they'll go on their podcast and try to have you convinced that that's being humble and that's being righteous and that's doing what's right. No, they're just causing more chaos. They're part of the problem. Jesus says, go into all the world, even to cancel culture, and preach the gospel to every creature, right? That's just, it's, it's understood that it's for everyone. Don't withdraw from cancel culture and allow your light to go dim. Rather, even in, yes, especially in a dark world, let your light shine, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. As Peter said, quote, always... Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 1 Peter 3.15 As Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Colossians 4.5 Some of our brethren, they make uh, 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 unrighteous confrontational disputes and arguments and fights in the community. And uh, they're known uh, in the community as individuals you don't, you can't approach, you can't speak with, you don't want to be part of. And sadly, these kind of brutes, they can take over churches and push everyone out. And uh, it's just that much more difficult to deal with a cancel culture when <laughs> you have it behind the pulpit or in an eldership. And again, we need to wisen up to that. How? Let's get rid of pride. Let's get rid of pride. Because if we don't unite as his church under his doctrine with love, his love, the true description of love, we're not going to be able to be quite fruitful to this now here cancel culture, this fallen nation that is rampant with corruption. How are we going to convert them? How can we pray for them of good conscience if we're running them off and acting as they act? It's just not going not gonna to be... Well, look at where we're at. We're here for a reason, guys. It's not a, <laughs> this is not an accident. <laughs> so uh, the article continues and says, respond to cancel culture with. So how should we engage a culture that seems to be growing less religious and more intolerant towards Christianity day by day? What biblical principles and precepts must we keep in the forefront of our minds as we face increasing amounts of intimidation and discrimination? And before I keep reading, again, from our own personal studies, which I've been sharing lately, uh, with you all on social media. We are, we've are we allowed ourselves to have too much of a physical concern. So we are quick and harsh to expose and to uh, lash out against cancel culture. And uh, I'm not saying that is not necessary within the confines of Christian decency, but we do that at the expense of being completely blind to that very same uh, divisive and chaotic uh, presence among us crept in unnoticed. We have to, what, what am I saying? The Bible says we should clean house first. 
How are we going to help anyone with a speck in their eye if we got logs sticking out of our foreheads? Are you with me? Are you listening? We got a clean house. Paul himself would have told the Corinthians, what business do we have with the world out there? God judged them already. We need to judge each other. We need to keep each other in line. And not as a pharisaical, high-handed brute, but as loving brethren who tap into the love of Christ in such a measurement that we actually eagerly seek to do what's right. <laughs> what a concept. People come in the church because they want to be there. Wow. Not because the Pharisee said he'd push him out. Of, push him out. I mean, think of the concept. Fascinating, isn't it? So uh, we move forward in the article here, again, from our friends over at apologeticspress.org. Courageous determination to be faithful. Regardless of all that is going on around us and regardless of what uh, happens to us, uh, God expects his people to not be afraid of uh, of what you are about to suffer. That's the idea. But be faithful even to the point of death, Revelation 2.10. If Noah could be faithful and do all that the Lord commanded him in Genesis 7.5, even while living during a time when the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, Genesis 6.5. Can you, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine how bad that is? I mean, I know we're in a bad place right now. I, I know that. I mean, if you're paying attention to our sociopolitical landscape and the direction of people, we're in a bad spot. We are. But I don't think we're at that bad, or I don't think we're at Genesis 6-5 bad. Uh, it's just my opinion. I don't think we're there yet. I mean, we're not far from it, but I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> and I say yet because we have great hope in our own personal independent accountability and responsibility uh, that there are many like us who are waking up to this problem and being like, man, we've dropped the ball. We've had little faith, haven't we? We've, we've been cowards. We've been cowards. We need to stand up and do what's right in good Christian decency and balance, wisdom, insight, being approachable. If Job could trust God and not sin nor charge God with wrong... Even while his world caved in around him, we too can be faithful even when the world seems to be caving in around us. If Moses could face Pharaoh's wrath with the courageous determination to follow the Lord, then so can we. We just can. Why? Because they were men and we are men. We suffer the things common to man. If Joshua and Caleb could face the giants of their day, if Daniel could face a lion's den, and if Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could face a fiery furnace, then we have no excuses. We have no excuses. Are things hard now? Well, yeah. <laughs> they are. Will things be much more challenging in the future? Possibly. Regardless, be strong and very courageous, Joshua 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, power of love and of sound mind. Second Timothy 1.7. We got to tap into this stuff. We got to tap into this stuff. It's in the Bible. Though there are many enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, 
whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And sadly, we have these behind pulpits and on social media, on podcasts, and in elderships who are encouraged, who are supported because brethren can't discern <laughs> the threat. Again, I'm, I'm heavy on this. We need to clean house. That's how we get united. That's how we, we move forward with this cancel culture. We remove the cancel culture from within, and then we can start seeing it from outside and helping people know about Jesus and obey the gospel. God calls us to remember our heavenly citizenship. Philippians 3, 18, 20. See, some brethren are more concerned about their physical citizenship. And they'll slander their way to it. They'll betray their way to it. Uh, they'll, they'll destroy everything in their path to it. They'll cancel everything in their path to receive their physical citizenship because that's where their mind is at. But we Christians have a spiritual citizenship. And that's what's most important. And that's what we want people to understand and recognize and start to read and study and believe and follow. With uh, The article continues and says, With dogged determination, we are to be reaching forward to those things which are ahead and pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. So we need patience, obviously. Patience is something we certainly must practice. Cancel culture nearly always rushes to judgment. The mainstream media tends to be quick to pronounce on people, especially those whom they dislike. Oh, it's it. Boom, you're done. You don't even have the time to breathe. A brother puts out uh, a sermon, a study, an article, a podcast. Boom, we cancel them. The world does the same thing to us. We turn around and do the same thing to our own kind. You want to tell me that's un unity? Give me a break. Cancel culture nearly always rushes to judgment. This is what they do. And sadly, these same proponents who have crept in un uh, unnoticed within uh, our folds, uh, they do the same thing to us. Perhaps nowhere is quick-tempered. Uh, perhaps nowhere is quick-tempered impatience seen more than on social media, where lashing, gnashing, and thrashing or trashing are commonplace and where drama is stirred 24 7 oh man it's so toxic like we have to become and this is a bit of an excursion to that point listen we are in control of our social media property like we don't own it <laughs> that's why we pay property taxes <laughs> but we are to a recognizable degree in control of it. Stay away from toxic profiles and pro toxic people who are just filled with drama, who are filled with high-handed, unrighteous uh, confrontations and intimidation, people that just gossips. You can control that. Create a peaceful environment where it kind of has the parable effect. What do I mean? Well, the parable effect is designed to keep away those who aren't seeking, but yet attract those who are seeking who are going to begin to ask questions, seek answers, and knock on the door. Because you'll find all sorts of toxic nonsense and high-handed uh, in the wordplay of the uh, 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 that is found common today, the narcissistic, malignant narcissists, 
and that you can't I can't stand those. They'll have you thinking you're the one who's insane when in fact they are the sociopaths. So control your environment social on social media as you do, hopefully, in the physical world. Christians desperately need to take a deep breath, clear their minds daily, and cautiously navigate the tumultuous world around us, including and especially on social media. We need to meditate regularly upon the fact that Almighty God is the God of patience. Romans 15.5. Be patient. Peter wrote about how the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, 1 Peter 3.20, seemingly for 120 years before judging the world with the flood, Genesis 6.3. And that's in a very, <laughs> in a time in our history where the world was enamored with violence and evil. God still had patience to give him a century plus time to repent. The Lord then waited some 400 years before judging the iniquity of the Amorites and the rest of the wicked Canaanite nations, Genesis 15, 14, and 16. The Bible is clear in its portrayal of God. He is long-suffering. He suffers a long time, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. All, everyone, don't matter your geographical location, your skin color, your language, your culture, your background, everyone has this opportunity and why aren't we seeking it? Well, some of us are, right? Some of us want that. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Peter 2.5. With the perfect example of patience set before us in the very nature of God we serve, the very God we serve, how can Christians not strive to be patient and long-suffering towards the lost world around us as well as each other? And being long-suffering, suffering long with this cancel culture and suffering long with... Uh, 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 this kind of evil presence that has overcome our public life and its policies um, has nothing is not contradicting the fact that we need to be strong against its evil ways. The idea is always not to practice what they practice towards us that we in return knee jerk reaction towards them towards them. Um, the work of the flesh include many sinful characteristics of cancel culture. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and the like. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. On the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Galatians 5, 22. Yes, God expects Christians to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with long-suffering bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. So rather than be quick-tempered and jump at the opportunities to try to cancel what we deem to be cancel culture, let us not grow weary while doing good. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. So we have patience. The article moves forward and now speaks of love. Again, you can find this article over at apologeticspress.org. Hateful things are often said and done on social media. I, I think a, um, a truth to that uh, to that reason uh, was spoken by Mike Tyson, and you may have seen the meme pass through through the newsfeed uh, throughout the years on social media. The reason some people can be nasty and are nasty and hateful on social media is because they've never been punched in the face. That'll humble you. 
It's because the, and the idea is, of course, we Christians don't go around punching people in the face. But the idea, of course, is they are unaware, so snared in their pride, that there is consequence to what they are doing. Some brethren will face a dangerous moment on the, uh, on the day of judgment because of the way they've operated themselves on social media. I've had to repent of a great deal of things that I was doing on social media. I was doing it, of course, of sincerity, and I thought I was doing the right thing for God. But I was just pushing people away. It's what happens when you join a group of wolves. You start to howl along with them in the same manner. Love. That's an important part of the Christian walk in regards to this cancel culture and how we are to operate. Christians are often accused of being hateful for believing and teaching what the Bible says about many things, including God's creation of two and only two genders. The sanctity of all human life, including the unborn, all forms of sexual immorality, and the narrow road to eternal life going only through the Savior, Jesus Christ. The entirety of God's word has never been popular with the majority of humanity. The response sometimes, or oftentimes, is to accuse Christians of being hateful. You guys are hateful. Really. (laughs) We're speaking things that would help you in your life from being the recipient of harsh consequences. The Word of God is trying to help you. Like, that's hateful somehow? Yeah. Yeah, apparently it is. However the world acts or reacts, whatever is said about Jesus, his word, his church, or individual Christians, regardless of what the world does, God's instructions are clear. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. Never respond to hateful words or actions with a mean spirit. And it's tempting and it's difficult and you want to, but you have to train your mind and you have to start seeing it through another perspective. Why would Jesus, again, going back to that moment, why would he say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do? Jesus had the right as, uh, as God on earth, walking among us as a human form to forgive sins. Why does he need the permission of the Father on high? What's going on with what he's saying? What's the, what's the interpretation? He loves them so much, his focus and priority is to save their soul. Who? His enemies. Those who are murdering him. Never respond to hateful words or actions with a mean spirit. Christians are commanded to detest what is evil, Romans 12, 9, while loving the precious soul who sadly commits it. If, quote, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 1 Timothy 1, 15, including murderers and persecutors of Christians, an example, Saul, then are followers of Christ not to love sinners like Jesus did? John 3, 16, 17, Romans 6, 6 and 8, Romans 5, sorry, 6 and 8. Well, certainly we are. And again, none of, if, if you have a balanced and seasoned mind, you know that none of this contradicts the fact that we are to stand strong against evil and its cancel culture ways. But there is an instruction and a behavioral path forward in how we should do that. And sadly, we miss that mark and we swing the pendulum too far on one end or the other. On one end, there's nothing we can do about it. Let's just allow it all to take and contaminate and destroy us all. And on the other end, you act just like him, thinking that's somehow going to fix the problem. It's not. 
Uh, the article continues, as uh, you interact with the unbelieving world on a regular basis, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, and uh, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Colossians 4, 6. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. 2 Timothy 2, 26 which refutes Diotrephes which refutes the Pharisaical. Who will have us believe that Jesus and his apostles were indeed Pharisees and diatrophic individuals causing all these problems. No, not at all. No, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So we move, we, we, the article uh, gave us patience, speaking uh, to us about patience, speaking to us about love. Now we go into sincerity. Paul warned, let love be without hypocrisy, Romans 12, 9. You can know there's a lack of love or a void of love in brethren filled with hypocrisy. They, spoke, they speak from both sides of their mouth. They, they, it's, a, it's a real mess. Peter similarly wrote, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. 1 Peter 1, 21, uh, 22, and chapter 2, verse 1. We have to clean house. We have individuals who we tend to just look the other way, or we promote and we encourage, who, don't pract who, who, who are such a problem and such a chaos. If we're going to deal with cancel culture, we need to practice these things. Sincerity is important. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. We are no longer to practice malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all kinds of evil speakings. Jesus called out many of the religious leaders of his day, saying, You outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Matthew 23, 28. Yeah, so let's mark them. Let's avoid them. Let's withdraw from those. Have a healthy, growing, loving congregation to which we can reach the world, this cancel culture world, with the love of Christ so that they can convert and become friends, no longer enemies. Thus the Lord warns us that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will, be, uh, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5.20. Before Paul wrote to Timothy, instructing him to preach the word and do the work of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 5, he first highlighted the vital, genuine, unhip unhypocritical faith that is in you, 2 Timothy 1, 5. Furthermore, years prior to Paul penning 2 Timothy, he desired this young servant of Christ to accompany him on his second missionary journey into some hostile pagan cancel culture societies, mind you. Note carefully, however, that Paul only wanted this after coming to learn that Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren, Acts 16, verses 2 and 3. That is, those who knew him best were genuinely able to vouch for his sincere love for the 
Lord and his church. And that is important. If your resume and your uh, um, your reputation is only one of uh, um, very uh, evil and sorrowful uh, actions, uh, you're not going to be you're not going to be uh, fruitful for for God. If the only thing you've ever been known for is to destroy, to divide, and to cancel you're not effective. We are to have a good repute. And sadly, again, pharisaical types, diotrophies, these types will have us believe that acting in such evil ways is God. It's Christ-like. It's, it's righteous. And they have a very eloquent and charming tongue to have us snared into thinking that acting in such evil ways is, in, is somehow righteous. We have to be careful with that. That is, those who knew him best uh, where were we now? Coming after to learn that Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren. That is, those who knew him best were genuinely able to vouch for his sincere love for the Lord and his church. When you're speaking to everyone and everyone's like, stay away from those people. They are toxic. They split everything they touch. They're just evil people. Uh, they're in it for the control, the pride, the greed, the jealousy. Stay away from them. We have to. We have to become, again, a clean, pure, approachable church that understands the love of Christ in order to reach the community and have a good rapport. Cancel culture can often sniff out a hypocrite, especially one with whom they disagree at lightning speed. However, such microphonic, uh, microscopic, microphonic, however, such microscopic examination by the enemies of Christianity should be expected and even welcomed. Sincere Christians, though imperfect, should have nothing to hide. If we do, our prayer should be that our hypocrisy comes to light as soon as possible in the hopes of bringing about personal repentance and restoration so that as little damage as possible is done to the Lord's church. Amen. Amen. There is great utility in being humble. That's for the preachers, the evangelists, the deacons, the elders, all the members, everyone. If you're a Christian, there's great utility. We've made it a practice of transparency to always, always under, uh, always be uh, uh, confessing or open to the things we've struggled with, to the sins we've practiced. For some of us, it's alcohol and drug addiction, anger, anger, perhaps language. But the pride of a pharisaical heart, sadly, continues to live in hypocrisy and in cancel culture, canceling everyone that dare challenge him or uh, oppose him and all that kind of nonsense. And that's what we're seeing. To restore any lost reputation, Christians should begin living a simple, honest, sincere, loving, humble, patient, and persistent life one day at a time. Trying to force a restored reputation upon society will appear, especially to cancel culture, as insincere and as though you are trying to bully your way back into the good graces of others. Instead, let things come out more naturally over time as a consequence of a genuine daily walk with the Lord. In the long run, as the old sheep thief story goes, where sheep thieves were caught and branded with the letter ST on their foreheads, a real penitent person will eventually become known as a sincere saint and not the sheep thief that he once was. How important is that? Very important. Very important indeed.
So the article spoke about patience, spoke about love, spoke about sincerity. Now we look at reason. Reason. And again, I plug in. Please consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing a comment, sharing the link far and wide. And please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to do that, but you can choose once there to support the work monthly. And no amount is too low and no amount is too high. And you will have exclusive content if you do that. And it certainly helps uh, the Maya family as we labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast. And you can check out our .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. And we also have a Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. Reach out to us. Let's have a video chat. If you have any concerns or questions, please get involved. Please partake in this wonderful opportunity. The article continues over at apologeticspress.org. Reason. Cancel culture is generally unreasonable. Canceling tactics often include shouting, bullying, threatening, slandering, discriminating, and trying to silence the opposition in the public square. Diotrophies whether in person or on social media. It seems rare for individuals and groups with a cancel culture mentality to want to reason together in a cool, calm, and rational manner. No, it's immediately, you do what I tell you to do, you shut your mouth, you're stupid, I'm smart, or you're damned to hell. And I don't care about your feelings. (laughs) And though it is true, facts don't care about feelings, we can see the poisonous and toxic way of individuals who act in such high-handed evil works. The prophet Isaiah responded to the moral corruption of his day, uh, especially uh, under King Ahaz's reign, 2 Chronicles 28, 19, by calling his hearers to come now and let us reason together, Isaiah 1, 18. When the prophet Samuel addressed the nation of Israel at, uh, at King Saul's coronation, he did not deliver an emotionally based speech, but reasoned with them, 1 Samuel 12, 7. Consider also the stark contrast between Elijah and the prophets of Baal or Baal. In hopes of getting the attention of the false god Baal, 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 these emotionally charged pretend prophets leaped about the altar, cried aloud, and cut themselves as their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. 1 Kings 18, 26, and 28. All for naught. Elijah, on the other hand, had a rational faith that was grounded in the word of God. And he said to God, I have done all things, or all these things, at your word, 1 Kings 18.36. His faith, as well as the message of faith that he preached, were rooted and grounded in the heavenly, in, in, in the heavenly revealed rational word of God. When Jesus, headed, when Jesus healed a demon-possessed man, his enemies illogically charged him with casting out demons. By Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, Matthew 12.24. Jesus responded, not with hate speech, but with a sensible argument. Quote, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Matthew twelve twenty-five through 27 In Ephesus... Paul had spent months in the local synagogue and years in the school of Tyrannus reasoning about Christianity. Paul coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Chapter 20, verse 33, his message was true, his defense was logical, his intentions were honorable. The Ephesian idolaters, however, were the exact opposite. Whereas Paul seasoned or reasoned 
with a season that they are not gods which are made with hands, 1926, the pagan Ephesians were more concerned about money and tradition than truth and reason, 1925. They proceeded to be driven by angry emotions as the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord. Most of them did not even know why they had come together. Yet for two hours, all with one voice cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians! Chapter 19, verse 29, verse 32, verse 34. Now imagine that, repeatedly shouting the same exact expression for 120 minutes. Such mob-like tactics, number one, seem somewhat characteristic of the cancel culture of, of our day and age now, and number two, are the very opposite of how New Testament Christians are to conduct themselves. Don't miss the mark. Do not miss the stark contrast between the true gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul defended and the repetitive, emotionally charged nonsense that Demetrius and the pagan Gentiles preached. Love is love. Strength and diversity. Equality. Paul persuaded and turned away many people from idolatry to the true and living God in Ephesus and throughout almost all of Asia, Acts 19.26. He did it without force or the threat of force. He did it without reverting to dishonest, foolish tactics. It was with crystal clear arguments that could withstand scrutiny and with genuine love for the Lord and lost souls that Paul sought to persuade open-minded, honest-hearted people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So from patience to love to sincerity to reasoning, now we enter the location of the article called Continual Teaching. You can find this article over at apologeticspress.org. Finally, though Christians living within a cancel culture are to be loving, patient, and humbly submissive to those in positions of authority, however they may be, or whoever they may be, we must never stop teaching the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, Romans 1.16. We must never harass, badger, and be unkind, but we must continue to scatter the seed, the word of God, Luke 8.11. We may not convince many, or any at all for that matter, like Noah, but we have to preach it, teach it, proclaim it, live it, 2 Peter 2.5. Jesus responded to cancel culture by becoming the greatest teacher the world has ever known. He responded to the opposition's stop with go. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to every creature. Mark 16, 15. When threatened and commanded by Jewish authorities not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus, Peter and John said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Acts 4, 18 through 21. After the apostles' third arrest and interrogation, the Jewish council asked, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this Jesus name, in this man's name? And Peter and the apostles replied, We ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5, 28 and 29. And to, again, our own expression and understanding. We receive our freedom from the Christ, not from any government and its corrupt policies. We are not to be oppressed or suppressed by cancel culture proponents in a out-of-season landscape. Keep that strength with you. Know that in good faith. And you won't live as a slave, bondaged, shackled, 
to their cancel culture ways. They were released. How did they early, uh, where are we? We're ought to, we ought to obey God rather than men. After the apostles were beaten and commanded once again that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, Acts 5.40, they were released. How did these early disciples react to such intense cancel culture? Well, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts 5, 41, 42. And we remember in the age of Daniel, when a sociopolitical policy was enforced, set as law, of course, from corrupt politicians that set forth that Daniel had no longer the right to worship God. What did he do? Well, he worshiped God. People may accuse us of being unloving because we teach what Jesus taught, a message of repentance. Our peers may hate us for teaching like our Lord about heaven and hell. Still, with all the love we can muster and with all the courage that God will give us, we continually teach of the saving power of Jesus Christ. As we go about our daily lives, we do so speaking the truth in love, in love of the truth, Ephesians 4.15. And so in conclusion to this article, it says, perhaps no other words in scripture better pertain to Christian living, thriving, and teaching in a cancel culture than 1 Peter 3.14-16. Peter, who repeatedly experienced cancel culture's threats, bullying, and abuse, exhorted first century saints who were about to face a fiery trial. 1 Peter 4, 12. And he's saying now, quoting, Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Hope. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. 1 Peter 3, 14 and 16. Again, powerful words against diotrophies and pharisaical kinds that sadly have taken over a great many congregations to their control and pride. And we can understand that principle in seeing the cancel culture of the world in its secular ways. We must recognize these things. We must be able to discern them if we are ever going to be effective and productive in the love of Christ. And so the article now finishes and says, And who but God knows? If your conduct is honorable among the Gentiles, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. 1 Peter 2, 12. When the entire community knows you but nothing as a cult-leading, diatrophic bully, filled with hypocrisy and self-righteousness, pride, control, jealousy... How are you ever going to be effective if your whole resume is filled with nothing but that? You can go and try to make it out as righteous as you want to. We all know these kinds are liars. How can we be effective? How can we change this culture with its cancel ways? We go back to the Christ. How did Christ and his apostles operate? Hmm? That concludes the article. Again, you can find that over at apologeticspress.org. It's titled, A Biblical Response to Cancel Culture. It was written by Eric Lyons. 
And uh, I encourage you, of course, to check out that website, a very wonderful website with all sorts of wonderful information. Now, let me just pick up our streaming locations here to see if there's uh, anything going on. Da, 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 da. Let me see here. I got too many open. I got We're streaming live on various locations, and we have uh, a very good number across the board everywhere. So we're on Twitter. We're on Rumble. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Let me just open up a location here before we say goodbye to each other for today. And remember, look at the show notes. We go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Uh, from one end to the other, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, we got some friends. Good stuff. I'll be able to read all of that afterwards. Looks like we're operational. All of you, of course, are uh, deeply needed. You're needed. You're appreciated. Your support is well-received. It's needed. And if you uh, are not yet partaking with us, please consider it. Consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. Once there, you can choose to support. No amount is too low. No amount is too high. Reach out to us. You have concerns? You have questions? We are transparent. Our integrity remains intact, despite the slanders of professional liars out there. That good? Tomorrow, our session at 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time will be in sociopolitical conversation. Now, there was some of that, obviously, in this article, as far as that goes, because of the condition of our landscape in this fallen nation. But tomorrow, I think what we'll do, we'll have some fun. We'll go over to Twitter, you and I, and we'll look at Twitter, and we'll look at what's taking place there, as it is the most up-to-date news feed currently on social media, allowing us to see all the things taking place, and we'll have ourselves a sociopolitical conversation. 10 a.m. tomorrow on Fridays. That's our themed day. That okay? Stay focused and stay positive. You are loved. Keep your Christian composure, even with the cancel culture out there. Let's remove the cancel culture that's within, that's crept in unnoticed. Let's get, let's withdraw from those. Let's point them out. Let's get rid of them. Let's become effective. Let's become productive. The East Coast Church of Christ has that beautiful gem that, that, that we find through God's grace. That's why we've had renewals. That's why we've been having baptisms. That's why what the devil's been pushing out through his pride, we've been warmly welcoming and giving a place of healing and refuge. The truth, forgiveness of sins. Isn't that beautiful? I think so. Stay focused, stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow we meet again. Peace out.